Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, where we take a glance into blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend slash my co-host, Devin. And today, we're here to give our spoiler-free thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania. And on the back half of this episode... I will be covering a, another Blu-ray review, a 4K Blu-ray review of DC's latest animated movie, Legion of Superheroes. So definitely stick around for that, because I got some things to say about this movie altogether. But before we begin today's episode, you can listen to our podcast on podcast platforms around the internet. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And if you are a new or seasoned listener to the show, we would love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram and follow us on Twitter at FilmOptics, that is optics with an X, or you can email us at FilmOptics at gmail.com for any movie-related questions. Devin, how's your week been, man? Have you emotionally recovered from The Last of Us episode five yet? Yeah, I'm glad we got that out of the way Friday because that was just a lot. Just so much emotional turmoil going on. Can't have that lingering into Valentine's Day. There's already so many emotions in the air. Yeah, I mean, we are recording this on Valentine's Day. So if you're listening, happy Valentine's Day or belated Valentine's Day because you're probably going to listen to this after Valentine's Day. But it is Valentine's Day nonetheless. Devin. Do you have any plans to show your loved ones how much they mean to you? Um, I think they know. There's there's no <laughs> need to. There's no need to send flowers or chocolates or anything. It's just it's a good. They got the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. You know, it, it was. Uh, I knew today was Valentine's Day, but like, it didn't feel like a Valentine's Day. Like, I think I got a few pieces of like candy at work. But that was about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's Valentine's Day. And then I just went on with the rest of my day. It was like watching the Super Bowl, by the way. <laughs> that ending was just so sad and rough. I honestly, I don't know if I can call that a Hail Mary for what the Eagles did. I was like, because he didn't throw to like anybody. I was like, what? what is this? But it is what it is. Some questionable calls, but... It is what it is now. You know, the, the damage is done. Hopefully there's um, a, a change of uh, probably not not a change when it when it comes to the other uh, refs. But there's always next year. Well, we'll see what happens. But as we mentioned before, on the top half of this episode, we're going to be getting into our spoiler free review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So the way this is going to go down is that we're going to give our initial reactions. Again, that's spoiler free. Not going to give any spoilers because we want people to go watch this and form their own opinions. We'll hit a little bit of trivia along the way. Of course, spoiler-free trivia. Then we're going to give our final thoughts and our ratings. And then it's on to the second half of this episode. So without further ado, we'll be right back after this introduction to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania.
You are an interesting man. Scott Lang. Um, I don't know who you are, but you've made a big mistake. Okay? I'm an Avenger. I've called the other Avengers. You're an Avenger? Have I killed you before? <laughs> what? They all blur together after a while. You're not the one with the hammer. It's Thor. We get confused a lot. Similar body types. Who are you? Just a man who's lost a lot of time, like you. But we can help each other with that. And we are back with our Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. This is the first Marvel Cinematic Universe film to kick off phase five. Five phases, Devin. Can you believe it? Yeah, phase four. Phase four just felt like yesterday. Although it, has, it does feel like it's been a while since uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, even though that was like, what, five months ago? Yeah, back in um, November. So it's uh, November, December, January, about three months uh, going yeah. on for uh, it's already available to stream on Disney Plus and you can buy the Blu-ray of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So, yeah, that was the last um, that was the last Marvel um, content or just film or TV show in general that we that we've had. So this is kicking off the new phase. This is a uh, part of the multiverse saga. I believe it is phase four, five and six. So we're just going to talk about our our thoughts about Ant-Man 3 essentially. That's I think people are going to be shorthanding it to that or just or just Ant-Man Quantumania or Quantumania. I don't know. It it, it just depends. But as we said, we're going to be getting into our initial reactions first. So I'm going to pass it over to Devin so he can give his initial reactions to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Well, you know, after after finishing this movie up last night, we had a nice uh, early screening, which was very nice uh, at Cinemark for me. Um, I know we were we we texted each other briefly, and I just said, "That's um, a weird feeling," and that feeling I was talking about was the feeling of not liking an MCU movie. It's been a long, long time. Like this is it's just it just feels weird. Like I said, it just doesn't feel right. But this movie just. It didn't work for me. I, I wanted it to so bad. It had so many elements that I liked. It had so many actors that I love. It's, there's just so much going for it. But at the end of the day, it just feels messy. And there's just a few issues that I had that just, just stood out to me like a sore thumb. And that's very unfortunate because Paul Rudd's one of the best doing out there doing it as far as comedic actors. Um, Jonathan Majors, one of the best upcoming actors we've had in a long time. But for me, the story just kind of... It, it kind of takes away from the charm, like the original charm of the of the small time, like Ant Man one and two. Those first two stories are very small and then central to that to that part of the world. It's not like this giant, huge, um, world changing scale like this one up up the ante up to. Um, and I think that kind of takes away some of the charm of those first two movies when you branch out and you get rid of some of the smaller characters, like no no Michael Pena in this one. That one really hurt. Like, I was really looking forward to some Michael Pena action because he was one of the best parts of those first two movies. And then along with some of the other characters from those first two movies as well. But um, there's definitely some um, some things I liked about it. 
I was I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised by the visuals. That's one thing I was worried about going into it because they didn't really show much in the trailers as far as visuals goes. But I think I think most of it looked really really cool. Like all of the quantum realm stuff looked really really tight and sharp. Um, really interesting visuals they went with. Definitely visuals that stood out more than more than some other just kind of generic space visuals that you would expect or like generic aliens. Just definitely some some cool creatures they put in here. There's some times where there's too many visuals going on on the screen and it just becomes a bit too much. But other than that, like I think it looks really, really cool for the most part, which is definitely a good thing. I also really liked um, the introduction of Catherine Newton as Cassie Lang. Kind of just a replacement kind of scenario going on. Feel bad for the original actress, but that's just the harshest of Hollywood, I suppose. But I think uh, Catherine Newton definitely brought some energy and um, a jolt of life to this role. And I think she did a good job. Looking forward to some Young Avengers shenanigans from her in the future, which I'm sure will be the case. And we won't dig too much further because we're avoiding spoilers, <laughs> but I'm curious to see what you think. Devin, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you did not like this movie. All, because you're you're like the biggest Ant-Man fan I know. Like it I mean, is- I'm, I'm wearing an Ant-Man shirt right now. Yeah, yeah, you are. You are. It- <laughs> like the first two movies, like they're not like like great or mind blowing by any means, but they're just kind of fun. They 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 know their role and they palate cleansers. They they palate cleansers exactly what they are, and they're very contained into their own world. But it feels like he got they they stretched out the Ant Man a little too far for this one. It feels like I'm like I don't hate this movie. As of this recording, there are there is no audience score on Rotten Tomatoes since we are seeing this early uh, when it comes to this uh, movie of the the first of many of phase five. I'm going to read my initial reactions. This is just like a general overview, but and then I'm going to read someone else's reaction on Twitter and we'll, we'll go from go from there. So my reaction pretty much I tweeted out earlier today. I said that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania does a lot of things right such as keeping the humor consistent and providing a glimpse of the next big bad. Jonathan Majors is fantastic as Kang, and it felt more like a origin story for Kang than anything else. So that's my super, super like out of the theater initial reaction. And I'll get to my other initial reaction first. But I also found out, um, I saw Matt Neglia from over at Next Best Picture he tweeted saying that Ant-Man 3 is definitely the strangest Scott Lang adventure yet with new creatures and cultures to explore in the quantum realm. Heavily influenced by Star Wars, not all of it works, but Jonathan Majors is the tr- film's true highlight, and he can't wait to see more of him. So that's just from someone else that I, you know, that, that we uh, follow on Twitter. He does great work over on Next Best Picture. But yeah, I I would say I agree with Matt when it comes to it being the strangest Scott Lang adventure, because it is also the most serious Scott Lang adventure. Like Devin said, you know, the first two movies are just pure fun. And not every Marvel movie has to be this grand, like, you know, changing the game and whatnot. But as far as multiverse... Um, that aspect, you know, when it comes to quantum realm, there is a lot going on for sure, but I feel as if 
I'm I'm still sitting with this one, but right now I'm I'm like lukewarm on it. I'm not like, oh my gosh, this is like the best thing ever. But I feel as if this is a solid entry for phase five. Well, I mean, you know, it does have that Ant-Man humor. Um, we are missing a lot of the original Ant-Man cast, unfortunately, but you know, they are starting to introduce that next big bad, which is Jonathan Majors. He is fantastic. And I can't wait to see more from him because he just gave it his all. And there are a lot of times within this movie where all hope is lost. There's a lot of just, you know, the heroes losing at every turn, you know, making mistakes and just there's a lot of sequences and scenes that don't go their way. But it is heartwarming. It does have that family aspect to it. But I do agree. Um, it, it's it's a little shaky. I would say more so on the CGI. There are a few spots where I felt as if it was. Eh. There's like two scenes in particular that I can remember from last night. But I just actually found out on Twitter. Uh, this is through Entertainment Weekly that Kevin Feige said that fewer MCU shows will happen going forward with more time given to them. Um, for each show's release so they can all have their time to shine. And I hope cutting down on the shows will give also give them time to work on the movies when it comes to like the VFX, because we know that Marvel likes to outsource their VFX. And, you know, there's these unrealistic expectations when it comes to a lot of these digital artists. Um, they can't necessarily meet the deadline. That's why some of the more recent shows and or movies have looked a little iffy in some parts but looked really good in others it's like half baked but going back to ant-man 3 i thought that it was just fine i don't think it was bad i don't think it was great i don't think it was like fantastic i think it was just fine but i need to watch it again to form a more complete picture or a more complete opinion, but I laughed a lot and I was afraid that, you know, of, of the dangers and the trials that Ant-Man and the Wasp, well, the Wasp, she kind of takes more of a back seat this time around. It's really about Cassie and Scott, you know, that, that father daughter bond that we've all been, you know, familiar with, especially with these past few weeks of the last of us. But I will say I I don't hate I don't I'm not on the same level as Devin but I'm like you know I'm lukewarm like if I were to give a score right now it would probably be a three out of five so it's not the worst but there are two post credit scenes that are pretty cool I would say the second one's more exciting but the first one's not bad either it's just you know, people like to say, oh, each Marvel movie just sets up for the next movie. It's like, well, yeah, it's, it is it is a cinematic universe. And, uh, you know, they, they have to keep the story forward. They're, they're doing a lot. And I usually, I try to give Marvel the benefit of the doubt when it comes to, they are doing a lot. But perhaps they are doing too much. And they do need to slow down a little bit. But for Quantumania, as a third Ant-Man film... It may not work as a 
Well, I was, no, I, I would backtrack. I was going to say it may not work as a standalone Ant-Man film, but I think this is a movie where Ant-Man has his time to shine and he gets a little complacent during the beginning of the movie with, you know, him helping out Captain America, you know, Civil War and Endgame because he hasn't really done much since then. And this is kind of his call to action to uh, get his butt uh, kicked back into gear. Yeah, I was actually going to mention that it's kind of weird to me if like the first act was kind of the best act of the movie. And then it, for me, it just kind of went downhill a bit from there. Like it was really exciting to get back into this world with Scott Lang. Uh, really funny int- uh, opening intro where he's walking down the street and giving a little monologue in his head. Um, and then we get to see what's been going on. And then we uh, get sent to the quantum realm. And then we get introduction to that new world. And then after that, it just seems like the story just didn't really know exactly where to go. And it just felt like, like I said before, Ant-Man just stretched a bit too thin for this one. Like as a character, I don't know if he could, if he needs to be carrying the weight of the universe like he did in this one because it just feels like it's a bit too much for him but i do love i do love paul rudd as ant-man jonathan majors is the reason to see this movie for the most part like anyone who's seen loki knows that loki was the ending of loki was the reason for this movie to have any hype because jonathan majors as kang is just is setting up to be the next great villain and I, i really like how he played it in this one he played it straight like just straight up villain, like no, no funny business. Like he is, he's a bad guy through and through. And I like that he, and they made that decision. It feels like Evangeline Lilly kind of mailed it in a bit with this performance. Like didn't really get much out of that. Um, Like I said before, I enjoyed Cassie Lang, Catherine Newton, and there's definitely some wasted potential um, throughout the rest of the cast. We won't spoil it, but there's just a couple characters that are from major to like, really major actors that kind of just didn't feel like they made an impact to me. Yeah. I, but I I will commend Marvel for keeping it consistent with the same director. Cause this is the second trilogy in the the MCU to have the same director for all three films following uh, the Spider-Man films from 2017 to 2021. And I, that is one thing I, will commend them for, but I do agree. It feels as if, well, like you were saying, maybe, you know, it feels as if this, this threat is too big for Ant-Man to handle. And I, I, maybe that's the point because obviously we can't get into spoilers. And (laughs) so it's really tough to talk about, but it it also feels like it's a threat that it's a threat that he shouldn't handle, really, because Kang oh, is like... Oh, he shouldn't handle. Mm, I see. I like, see. he shouldn't be able to handle it is, is definitely a viewpoint that I might have, because Kang is like... Kang's a big, a big bad guy. Like, he uh, he's a big deal. But, um, yeah, without spoiling anything, it's, it's tough. But there's just some, some choices made at the end, especially, like, the very end, to me, just... It just kind of happens, and I'm like, that that's the ending? Like, I was in shock at how anticlimactic and just sudden it was it was like an a24 ending <laughs> like <laughs> well not as abrupt but like it felt it felt very like we said with um knock at the cabin we were talking about the ending how it felt very just hollywood like a very safe ending it did because i i was interested to see how things were going to play out i, with I thought they were going to go somewhere really interesting with it when um when he started talking but then it kind of went back to just the safe ending 
with a very, very abrupt, like, final shot. I was like, wait, that's it? That's what, what just happened? Kind of like, kind of like Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness in a way. Had a, a similar kind of weird, like, abrupt ending. Yeah, it really did. And, um, it's, it's odd because you have, it, this feels like a direct line, like straight into phase five, because within the first few minutes, like you are like, it just, it throws you right into the action. Like they don't waste any time. And like you said, Devin, the first act is very strong. Um, I like the second act as well. But yeah. The third act is where things start to get a bit messy. And unfortunately I feel like that just happens a lot with these multiverse related movies, whether it's like comic book related or not. But yeah, I, I do agree. I feel like this is a threat that Ant-Man should not have handled. And I thought it was going to go one way, but it didn't. We've seen multiple Kang variants in the past. Like this is the second variant of Kang that we've seen. We've seen one in Loki and we have one here. So it's safe to say that there's others out there, but yeah, it, it doesn't clear up a few things towards the end. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, out of all the variants, who is like the variant that will probably be the, you know, the, the big bad, like which variant of Kang is it going to be? Because we see, we saw the one in, in, um, Loki, and then there's this one. And then, I mean, there's, it's implied that there are obviously multiple, but yeah, it's, it's weird. It's very strange, but I don't know. Let's get into our, um, <laughs> cause we'll be here all day. <laughs> cause I, I don't want to give anything away. I feel I'm already like tiptoeing around some stuff. So, uh, is there anything else you wanted to mention before we get into our final thoughts and ratings? Yeah. I don't really think it's a spoiler, but, um, Modoc being in here, um, it's just weird. He's a very strange character, and it's it's impossible to kind of adapt him to to live action just because of how weird he looks. But this looks just so weird. A bit silly. Yeah, I, I do agree. He like I mean I've kind of forgot he was in it. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just like oh yeah. Like- I, I do I do like how his his character arc ended. It was pretty funny what happened to him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, yeah. I mean, you know, and we can sit here. It sounds like we're nitpicking, but I, I did enjoy it for the most part. Like I said, I thought it was like lukewarm for me and I'm interested to see what's going to happen next. Um, because now we've kind of moved out of the solo origin stories for movies, but they've done that for TV here in the past with all the TV shows that we've gotten. But I think it might be time for Marvel to kind of not necessarily take a break, but, you know, to spend a little bit more time in the writing room. And I mean, we can't see the end of the finish line, though. That's the only thing I'll say. But this movie isn't bad. I think everyone should go see it because it is an Ant-Man movie. Unfortunately, we, we don't have the, the, the X-Con um, um, <laughs> team. It's not here. Unfortunately, yeah, they're not. I felt, felt pretty missed in this one. For sure. Like, cause I was waiting for them to come up at least in the first act, you know, just, just a little something. What's T.I. doing anyways? Get him back here. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone always forgets <laughs> T.I. was an Ant-Man. I know. I know. It's crazy, but yeah, it is what it is. Let's move in 
to our final thoughts and ratings. So I'll pass it over to Devin so he can give his final thoughts and ratings of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yeah, final thoughts. Um, I don't think it's all bad. Like I said before, Kang is great. Always going to love Paul Rudd. Um, And I definitely like the introduction of this new Cassie Lang. And I think she has a a pretty bright future. But there's just a lot of choices that I felt didn't really work out. Like definitely some, some some characters that got introduced that felt like pretty wasted potential for the actors. And like I said before, the ending just really did not work for me. Um, mm-hmm. Not all bad, though. I really like the visuals. I like the just kind of the wackiness and, and out there strangeness that they went for because the quantum realm is a very strange place and, and incomprehensible to us. So they just kind of went for it and went all out for the wacky side. As far as a score goes, I've been kind of wrestling with this one, but... Uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad movie. I just kind of think it's very flawed. Um, I would probably give it like a like a sixty overall, somewhere around there. My thoughts pretty much echo Devin's. Like I think it is a fun ride, and you know, but it, it this feels like this feels like the Ant Man movie where they're trying to be serious, and it doesn't work outside of the villain. It's it's odd because when it didn't try to be serious, I, you know, we absolutely loved it. But now that things are getting serious, I don't think Ant-Man being in that serious role necessarily works because, you know, every time that we've seen him, he's always cracking jokes and he is in this movie and there's a lot of great humor in this movie. But yeah, as far as the seriousness goes, it's, I mean, the Quantumadian part works because, like I said, it feels like an origin story for Kang. And we get more insight into Hope's mother's time while she was in the Quantum Realm, like what happens. And obviously things happening off screen, but we get more context for that. That I really appreciate. But, yeah, um, I would give this three out of five um, on Letterboxd, so like a 70 out of 100. Again, 70 out of 100 is not bad. Honestly, what Devin was saying was 60 out of 100. That's not bad either. It's it's not a terrible score. It's just there were things that worked for us and there were things that didn't. But we think that people should still go see the movie because it is a lot of fun. It's a Marvel movie. Go have some fun at the movies. Go chuckle. Go laugh. Go go see some, some new um, villains uh, develop and stay after the credits for both post-credit scenes. So we get that as well. And before we get into the second half of our episode here today, if you like what you heard on today's episode from our Ant-Man Quantumania review, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Thumb Optics. That is optics with an X and make sure to share an episode of our podcast with a friend, whether it be your mother, your brother or your significant other. Make sure to share an episode of the Film Optics Podcast with a movie lover in need. And with all that out of the way, we're going to dive into our 4K Blu-ray movie review of Legion of Superheroes. So we'll be right back after this break. Legion Academy. If you want it, you could train here. Think of them as the future's Justice League. It is so great to meet you. I'm Monel. This is the rest of the Academy trainees. We are the front lines, administering justice and preventing war. 
Your cousin is a problem. She's failed to control her powers. Brainiac? I am not going to let you hurt anyone else! With her abilities, that makes her a threat. I don't like what you're implying. We still have no idea where the rest of the Legion is. I've seen the Dark Circle. Come on, we don't have very much time. It's up to us. So let's go be heroes. And we are back with our Legion of Superheroes review. This is our 4K Blu-ray review of the DC animated film, which hit store shelves on February 7th. And this review copy is courtesy of Warner Brothers. So thank you to Warner Brothers for sending this over so I can give you guys the tea on what's going on with this movie. Should you buy it? Do I recommend it? So we're going to get straight into the meat and potatoes here. So this film is directed by Jeff Wamster and written by Josie Campbell, two of which are huge Legion of Superhero fans. And once you go through like the special features of this movie, you really see how much love and care was put into this film. So the way that this review usually breaks down, if you are new to our 4K Blu-ray reviews or just home theater reviews in general, I usually get into my initial reactions first, then I'll dive into the picture and audio quality, and then I'll go over some of the special features and then give my final thoughts on whether or not I think you should buy this movie and add it to your Blu-ray collection. So as far as my initial thoughts for Legions of Superheroes goes, I am a major fan of animated films. I want to say that first and foremost, particularly ones that are based on comic books and or have some type of fantasy aspect to it. I have always admired the DC storylines when it came to the animated films. Sometimes more so, dare I say, than the live action, but hopefully that'll change as of late. But I thought that this movie was fairly engaging. I'm not very familiar with the Legion of Superheroes altogether. I never read the comics growing up, but I feel like this film provides a good overview of who the Legion of Superheroes are. It doesn't give you a super like in-depth look at who they are. But as I said, it gives you a nice cliff note answer to who the Legion of Superheroes are as they are a evolution of the Justice League, essentially, that is set in the 31st century. But I will say it is uncommon to see a movie focused on Kara Zor-El, a.k.a. Supergirl, so it was very refreshing to see a film centered around another Kryptonian who does not believe that she belongs in Clark Kent's world. Dare I say, sometimes it feels as if she is just a shadow of Superman. And in this movie, I feel like it really emphasizes that aspect of her character. But overall, I believe that this narrative is about discovering who you are and what your place is in the cosmos or, you know, timeline, whichever it's the 21st century, 31st century, you know what I'm talking about. But I will say that the movie's pacing is key in this movie. It is a key, key strength of the film when it comes to the quick pacing. I was blown away. This movie is around 
maybe an hour, 30 minutes, a little bit shy of that runtime, but the quick pacing gives it a interesting rush of adrenaline. And there's also an integrated mystery with a lot of action scenes, but it doesn't rely too much on the action sequences that takes away from the heart of the story. So as far as the picture quality goes, this movie includes a 2160p 4K UHD copy with HDR10. So those who are well-versed with the DC animated film franchise will recognize that usually 4K is the best option, um, even though the difference between this 4K disc for this film and the standard 1080p HD version isn't that significant. It may not provide a huge like night and day difference. Like There's not a lot of enhancements when it comes to the HD and the 4K disc, but it provides a higher quality of display. And I feel as if that is always a iffy subject when it comes to watching animated films or hand-drawn animated films that are in 4K. Because do you kind of just go the cheaper route and buy the Blu-ray copy? You get the same experience or do you get the slightly better enhanced version of the 4K disc and what that provides. But I will say the 4K does have its little advantages here or there. If you're not watching these side by side, I can guarantee you probably won't know that much of a difference. I was definitely able to tell the difference just because, you know, I was watching scenes from these special features and things looked slightly brighter when it came to the 4K disc over the 1080p, but honestly, you can't go wrong with either disc when it comes to this. So the color scheme of this picture, as I mentioned before, is slightly brighter than other DC animated films. The HDR amplifies the basic coloring palettes. There's a lot of fluorescent greens, purples, and other worldly effects that really work with this film. I feel as if the HDR image has a denser slash richer like black level quality and the white levels are full of like intense explosives when it comes to the 4K disc. It feels as if those black levels and those white levels are more balanced um, opposed to the standard Blu-ray HD edition. Also, I will say, I think outside of the picture, I believe the audio is probably one of the big winners here alongside the special features. And I'll get to the special features in a second. But the audio, I encountered effectively no problems whatsoever with the audio. From what I've noticed, the dialogue takes center stage it's um, the surrounding noises are heard clearly and often, uh, especially if you have a good set of speakers. Uh, the low end of the bass is very prominent in the sound effects, notably during a lot of the supernatural sequences and the explosions when it comes to the vehicles, especially the the music score. When when the music score starts to riff, you you really feel that within the audio. 
But overall, I think the discourse is very concise when it comes to the dialogue. It's very straightforward and very simple to understand. And it is a solid audio track that is consistent with the rest of the new DC animated uh, films within this new run of DC animated films. But I'm going to talk about the special features here for a minute because I feel like there's actually a lot of special features here that you can definitely dive into. A lot of them range between maybe five to ten minutes. Uh, you can definitely see how the cast and crew uh, talked about this movie, how they had a big passion for this movie, especially the writer on this film, who is Josie Campbell. She has stated multiple times within the special features how she is a huge Legion of Superheroes fan, and it definitely comes out on screen. Like I said before, there's... There's so much special features here when it comes to meeting the Legionnaires, which is kind of like a funny character study of the cast and crew as they go over all the characters in the film in a quicker fashion. Also, um, the Legion behind the Legion, which is some of the cast and crew talking about working on the movie, as I just mentioned, and the passion that has gone into this film altogether, it really makes you appreciate the film just a little bit more, knowing that the people who worked behind it are such big fans of the Legion of Superheroes. But I think the biggest, the biggest strength of these special features is you get two animated shorts well not necessarily shorts they're from the superman animated series um which is titled little girl lost parts one and two they run around 22 minutes each that is from the dc vault and it is a two-parter that features supergirl so i actually thought that was pretty cool and if you're a Superman fan, if you're a Supergirl fan, I think it, it's a nice little surprise as I was going through the special features. I was not expecting there to be a lot of special features on this disc for the Blu-ray, because that is where all the special features are, not on the 4K disc. But I was fairly surprised to find out how much special features was actually packed into an animated movie that is around an hour and 30 minutes. But as far as my final thoughts go for this movie, I believe that the Legion of Superheroes is a fun, fun time. But unfortunately, it feels more of a subplot that contributes to the narrative inside of the new DC animated universe. But I will say, if you are a fan of Supergirl or a fan of the Legion of Superheroes, I think this is definitely worth adding to your home entertainment collection. I recommend this to anyone who just likes superhero movies, someone who is looking to just turn their brain off for a bit, enjoy a wonderful story about Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes, and just have a grand old time. Just just enjoy some good old-fashioned animated superhero fun so that concludes my review 
of the Legion of Superheroes. Again, this review copy was provided by Warner Brothers. Thank you again to Warner Brothers for sending this over to me. And again, you can find the Legion of Superheroes at your local retail stores. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Best Buy. You can find it at Targets. I love me some Targets. But with all that said, that is a wrap on today's episode. Thank you for sticking with me through the end of this. Again, I don't do a lot of solo episodes when it comes to our show, but I like doing them, but I'm working on them. If you like what you hear, definitely let me know. Or if you like what you heard in today's episode in general, when we talked about the new Ant-Man movie, please go subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice and follow us on Instagram and Twitter to stay in the know. That is at Film Optics, Optics with an X. And always, always, always make sure to share an episode of our podcast with a friend, whether it be your mother, your brother, or your significant other. Make sure to share an episode of the Film Optics podcast with the movie lover in need. And now let's take a sneak peek at what's coming up on the show. So what's coming up? We have our The Last of Us episode six review, which will probably drop either the Monday or Tuesday after its Sunday premiere. We're also going to be covering Cocaine Bear. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very, very excited for that movie. And for what's out, you can listen to our The Last of Us episodes one through five um, episodes that Mr. Mike Thomas joined us on. And it's been a wild ride so far. You can also check out our Velma review, which I did a solo episode of myself alongside of our Infinity Pool review and our That 90s Show review, which is spoiler free. You should definitely go check it out. Had a fun, fun time talking about that series. But again, thank you all for listening. And remember, if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay in the know. My name is Christian, and that was Devin signing off. We'll see you guys in the next one.